of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of my favorite British comedy sketches involves Mr. Bean, otherwise known as Rowan Atkinson, and he's there in church worshiping on a Sunday morning. Clearly, he does not do this very often because he's bad at doing all the churchy things that you and I think we do so well. He stands when he should sit, and he sits when he should stand, and when it comes time to sing, he has no hymnal. And so as he looks to his neighbor to ask his neighbor to share, his neighbor just scowls at him and refuses to share. So there is Mr. Bean, stuck, standing in church, not knowing what to do, and the hymn is... All creatures great and small. And so during the wordy verses, he mumbles under his breath, making his lips move to make it look like he knows what he's singing. And then when they get to the chorus, he gets very excited because he knows that part. Right? So he starts singing loudly and enthusiastically. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. Alleluia. Alleluia. Well, here at the Advent... We don't always sing loudly when we find ourselves in the congregation on Sunday mornings. Sometimes we don't know the tune, or we don't know how to read music so that we can learn the tune. Or more likely, we are afraid of scaring off our neighbors with our voice, because we are all too aware that we do not sing the way the choir sings. We have such a wonderful choir. Who can sing like them? And so we're shy. And we end up all too often being silent in church on Sunday mornings. But we are not silent, are we? Because even if we're silent in church on Sunday mornings, we go, we go out from here. And we talk. And we talk. We talk to our spouses. We talk to our families. We talk to our friends, our children, our co-workers. Do you ever find yourself talking and talking and you stop and actually hear what you're saying and you wonder, I guess I think that. Wow. I guess I feel that way. Wow. It's amazing. I very often find that I'm constantly talking and when I stop and listen to what I'm saying, I'm dismayed. It's a sobering exercise because I find that when I listen to myself, I learn what is going on in my heart for better or for worse, and unfortunately, it is more often for worse. Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The parable that we read today from Matthew shows this to be true. This parable ends with a landowner challenging his disgruntled laborers. He is essentially telling them, that they should stop and listen to themselves. And indeed, Jesus himself is inviting us through this parable to stop and listen to ourselves. Because Jesus tells this parable in response to a question from Peter. A question that Peter asks earlier in Matthew 19. Our lectionary would not allow us to go that far back. But in chapter 19, after Jesus had talked about how important it was for his disciples to leave everything and come and follow him, Peter boldly asks him and says, first he says, See, we have left everything and followed you. And then he asks, What then will we have? 
Once again, Peter asks the wrong question, and his speech betrays the pride in his heart. And so Jesus tells him to stop and listen. Jesus answers Peter's question, what then will we have by telling this parable? And in this parable, we, we hear about a landowner who hired five groups of laborers over the course of a 12-hour-long workday. At the very beginning of the day, the landowner agrees with the first group upon the standard day's wage, a single coin called the denarius. These workers, they didn't have a trade or a skill or even land of their own that they could till. And so they were thrilled for this work. They knew that this work meant that their families would eat that night. And so those laborers hired in the early morning, they would have been thrilled and grateful for the day's work and the day's pay. But by the end of the day, they managed to have forgotten their gratitude. When it comes time to pay the workers, the master intentionally pays the last workers first, giving them 12 hours of pay for just one hour of work. We're surprised by this generosity, aren't we? But we're not surprised when the first group of laborers expects to receive much more than the amount that they had agreed upon. After witnessing his generosity, they expect the landowner to give them more than a denarius. They might have echoed Peter's question in their heads, what then will we have? And when they do not receive what they think they deserve, they're unhappy. The grumbling of the first laborers reveals the state of their hearts in relation to the master. They had a contractual relationship with him. If we go and work for a day, then you will pay us a denarius. Deal. And they had shaken on it. They had an agreement that was based not on trust, but on performance. And so these first laborers end up lobbying for justice rather than mercy because they think that they have held up their part of the bargain. They believe that they have fulfilled the law. They think that the landowner owes them. And they grumble. Their complaining speech flows out from that proud sense of entitlement that has taken root in their hearts. Their grumbling here alludes back to the grumbling of the Israelites when they wandered in the desert. desert, Because there they rebelled against God and his servant Moses. In the dry and barren heat of the desert, the people of God looked back with longing to the greener pastures of Egypt. Where they remembered the abundance of food and the ready availability of water there. They longed to return, and they cried out with grumbling discontent. During the years that I spent acting, I often had the opportunity to act as a member of a crowd on stage. And usually in a play on stage, the crowd's role and purpose is to react to the main action. And so depending on whether or not the reaction was supposed to be positive or negative, Directors would instruct us in the crowd to either murmur or grumble. And instead of getting creative enough to say actual words and phrases to each other, 
we would usually just repeat the words that we were supposed to convey. Literally, if something was good, we would say to each other, murmur, 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 murmur. And if it was bad, we would say, grumble, 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 grumble. And those onomatopoeic words conveyed the tone accurately enough to the audience. With these grumbling laborers, the tone of their complaint is just as loud as its content, and both betray their proud, self-righteous hearts. This parable is for us because we know that feeling, don't we? We know the visceral pain of comparison. Comparison breeds envy, which involves so much more than coveting what someone else has. Envy encompasses the ambition to get ahead of others, and it devolves even into the desire that others would have nothing good at all. Envy says, only I deserve blessings. Only I deserve grapes. Envy is poisonous. The great Shakespeare tells us that envy is the green-eyed monster that doth mock the meat it feeds on. Envy aims to destroy others, but it ends only in self-destruction. In our first lesson for today, we hear another great example of this kind of poisonous envy. The prophet Jonah angrily protests the mercy that God has extended to the people of Nineveh, who happen to be the sworn enemies of Israel. Jonah knows God's character, and he begrudges God's generosity. Jonah would rather die than have God spare those that he hated. Jonah forgot that he needed God's mercy, too. Mercy is a stumbling block to us when we forget that we need it ourselves. We grumble. We resent God. We resent our brothers and sisters in Christ when we see that they have something that we think we ought to have, but that we don't have. This comes from a sense of superiority. We might say, perhaps, well, I've done extra work. I've spent more hours volunteering. I've spent more years teaching Sunday school. I've given more. I've prayed more. And we ask then in greedy anticipation, what then will I have in reward for what I've done? When we do this, we delude ourselves into believing that the kingdom of heaven is a meritocracy and that we are actually on the top of the heap. Well, thank goodness, God is not surprised by our grumbling self-righteousness. There was once a crowd whose discontented grumbling erupted even into cries of violence. Crucify him. Crucify him. There is no mistake that this is the congregation's major speaking role in our annual Palm Sunday reading of the Passion. We are typecast in this crowd role. But thankfully, God does not leave us there. He has mercy upon us. In his compassion, so much like the compassionate landowner that Jesus describes, he loves without measure. 
In Jonah's words, the Lord is a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. God forgives us, even when we are self-righteous, when we are priggish, green-eyed Pharisees. He sees us, he knows us, and he died even for us. Jesus' words from the cross offer us to that freedom and absolution. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When we hear this again, these words of absolution pronounced over us, when we grasp the truth of God's generosity in extending forgiveness even to us, it is as though we are one of those laborers holding that shiny coin in our hand. Except now we have eyes only for the gift. Everything else fades into the background. As we focus on our own salvation, we are absorbed by its beauty. And God graciously gets that green-eyed monster off our back. Miraculously, now, instead of grumbling, what comes out of our mouths is an overflowing gratitude for the grace extended to us in Jesus. Personally, I find that this joyful thanksgiving often results in loud and enthusiastic singing, just like Mr. Bean. We, like him, when we receive, we sing out loud because we know this song. This is the part of the song that we know. This song is about what God has done for us. Our lives are now no longer one big grumble, but instead a hymn of thanksgiving to God for our salvation. This is our story. This is our song, praising our Savior all the day long. And we sing, oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen.